Are you an event planner or organizer looking for a keynote speaker with a fresh new perspective that packs a serious punch? Someone who captivates your audience and inspires them to create lasting changes in their lives. Someone who has a compelling story to share that will leave your audience believing in themselves like they've never done before. I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake, author of The Million Dollar Bakery, host of this podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, and I am your girl. To book me as a speaker for your next event, go to RebeccaHamiltonCo.com. Hey, I'm Rebecca Hamilton, founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake. Thanks for joining me on my Scrap the Sweet Talk podcast, where I'll be sharing all my best life and business tips and tricks on how I've created the life of my dreams and how you can too. I'm a no-nonsense, full disclosure, sweet talk scrapping woman entrepreneur who believes in taking charge of your life and ridding yourself of all the excuses that are holding you back. This is a really exciting time for my podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk, because it is my first podcast series and really the first time I've opened up my podcast to have guests on my show. I was inspired by International Women's Day and I felt like I was called to do this series from God or the universe. I just felt like he brought these amazing women into my life and gave me a platform to allow me the opportunity to share their stories with women all over the world. I'm blessed to be surrounded by these incredible women and it would be extremely selfish if I kept them and their stories all to myself. So I'm really excited to share them with you guys. They are filled with life lessons and valuable tips and advice on how to overcome the toughest challenges that life has thrown our way. You guys, like you guys though, you guys are in for a serious treat with this series. So be sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new episode launches. And please leave me a review on my podcast to show your love and support. I would be so grateful. I decided to start off my series that is inspired by International Women's Day with me. And to be perfectly honest with you guys, I was not planning on doing this episode. I originally was planning on launching my series with the interview style podcast that I've been recording with some of the most inspirational women that I know. And I was just going to be the uh, intro 
interviewer, interviewer, and I was going to just uh, ask them the questions and let them answer and share them with you guys. Um, but as you guys probably already know, um, if you follow me on social media or anywhere, I've faced a really significant challenge recently with my dog dying. And without adding too much pressure to my grief and recovery process, I figured if I was feeling up for it, then I would record this episode and I'd open up and share my personal experience in hopes that it might help you guys in some way, because I have learned so freaking much um, about myself, about grief, about emotions. Um, And so I feel like I can do this. And I feel like it will help me also along my own recovery process as well. I want anyone listening to this episode to understand that grief is grief and it is the exact same process regardless if you lose a human, a pet, or anything with significant meaning to you personally. Okay, how deeply you hurt and grieve is solely based on the meaning that you attached to that relationship. And so that means if you had an extremely deep relationship with your pet, like I did, it might be more painful and traumatic than maybe someone else that you've lost in your past that maybe didn't affect you to the same degree. All right. And so we cannot compare our pain to anyone else's and we cannot compare losses in our life. Okay. Because some losses are going to hurt much more than others. And it's just the way that it works. All right. And it's really important to know that when someone is hurting or grieving, it is deep and it is real for them. And it is not your job to understand why they feel the way that they do. It is not your job to try to fix them or try to speed up their grief process or try to um, help them in any way. Honestly, Um, it is your job to accept that this is their reality and to actually just support them through it, okay? And uh, it's just so important to just be so supportive and accepting and not let your logic kind of uh, skew your thought process on, um, you know, maybe you can't relate to what they're feeling, it doesn't matter. You don't have to, and you shouldn't try to. You should just accept that that is how they feel. 
um, and really just support them through it by listening to them and letting them know you're there for them. Um, you know, sending flowers and gifts. I love that. That really helped me because my love language is gifts and it's, it's gifts and ties tied with acts of service. So, um, if you know the love language of the person who is grieving, that is really helpful because you will be able to, um, connect with them on a way that they actually feel like you, um, support them and understand them. So if you don't know about the love languages, go Google it, take the test. It is so helpful in relationships and friendships, um, and anything. I like to know the love languages of my friends so I can try my best to, uh, connect with them on a way that they can, uh, see that I care about them or they can feel that I care about them, which is not always the way that I see or feel loved. So it's so different. And so if you can figure that out with people in your life, um, it will help you significantly. Okay. And so I'm, telling you this and sharing this challenge, this story with you, because, um, a day or two after losing my dog, Bianca, I also had a very strange feeling of guilt and embarrassment that I was so upset for losing an animal. After all, she's not a human, and I know many friends who have lost parents, children, they've had miscarriages, and they've lost other humans that mean so much to them. So I honestly felt guilty for grieving so deeply over an animal. And I'm a very logical person. So I remember thinking to myself, how can I be so upset when she was 16 years old? She literally lived the best life ever. And inherently, when we get pets, we know they typically die long before we do. So I had these feelings of guilt and embarrassment. And I another thought that crossed my mind was like, why did I let myself get so like consumed and so in love with an animal that I knew was going to die at some point. And I know my fellow pet lovers can probably relate to this, but I felt like I just felt stupid that I allowed my heart to get so entwined with this creature. (laughs) And I'm laughing now, but these last couple of weeks have been so fucking hard, you guys. And this only happened a couple weeks ago. So the fact that I'm able to even talk on this podcast um, about it is a miracle. And Honestly, it's only because I have really allowed myself to grieve so deeply this time. And uh, I'm going to share with you my tips of what I actually did because it was so different than any other time I've ever dealt with grief before. And it has helped me so much this time. Um, And 
I'm just really excited to share these with you. So if you've lost a pet or something close to you that not everyone can relate to or understand themselves, you probably have those similar feelings of like guilt and embarrassment and like, why did I let myself fall in love with an animal that's going to die in X amount of years? Um, and I, I felt extremely helpless. I felt alone, um, only for a short period of time because thank God my friends were there to support me. Um, but I felt sad. I felt guilty. I felt depressed. I felt like I didn't know how to get through the next chapter of my life without her. And if you're not uh, a pet owner or like you can't really relate to this, it's okay. I get that. There's lots of people who have lost this in their lives that I can't relate to either. It's not about relating. It's just about understanding that this was so, so significant to me. Um, And so you guys know... I'm super passionate about self-help, self-development, and learning how to get through things when I honestly have no idea what to do or what I'm doing, okay? So this situation was no different. Uh, it's, It's just crazy because like... I've lost people in my life that I've cared about, um, like losing my Oma and Opa. I wrote about that in my book. That was equally um, as traumatizing as this situation because I loved them so deeply um, and I love my dog so deeply. So um, the depth of grief that I feel for both of those losses is significant. And then I've lost other people where I, you know, I can, I am sad, but not to the same degree. So every situation is different and it doesn't necessarily mean that you love them less. It's just, it's a different dynamic of the relationship. And so, um, Chad and I were talking and we were saying like, when you lose a pet that you love so, so much, and actually an example would be, um, you know, Chad grieved so differently than I did. He, you know, he cried, he was upset for a few days, um, but he was able to, uh, bounce back a little, like oh, a lot quicker because Bianca was my dog. Like she was my heart and soul and he loved her. He cared about her, but it was not the same connection. And so he could appreciate how devastating I was. I got Bianca when I was 18 years old. And so I had Bianca for like four, four, I think four or five years before I even met Chad. So she was there through some really, really challenging dark times. Um, in my past, uh, if you've read my book, The Million Dollar Bakery, you know, like my I struggled since I was 16. Um, you know, I had so many issues and no stability in my life, no real um, consistent support in my life. And honestly, my dog, when I got her when I was 18, was the only... Um, the only like consistency 
of love that I had in my life until like now. So like, I, I feel like I might cry, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so hard when describing like the feelings. <laughs> oh, I'm going to need a moment here. <laughs> I made so many notes for this podcast. Um, just in case I didn't know like what to say, just because I've had like foggy brain and, um, in the grief process, it's been really hard. Oh gosh. I'm not upset that I'm crying, but I just did not expect to cry because I made so many notes about it and I thought I would be fine, but evidently I'm not. (laughs) It's okay. I'm laughing and crying at the same time. Story of my life the last two weeks. So anyways, so my dog mean meant so much to me. Um, and, oh, okay. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So, um, as I was saying before, I'm super passionate about self-help, self-development and learning how to get through things that I don't know how to get through. Right. And so I turn to podcasts. I turn to books, um, because I logically understand that, just because I don't know how to do something like somebody else does. (laughs) Somebody else has been through it. Somebody else wrote a book about it. Somebody else talked about it on a podcast. And so thank God that I've learned that because I don't know what I would do. Like, I don't know what you guys do if you're not the type of person who, who seeks out knowledge on how to deal with something, um, that you don't know how to deal with. And so I learned that at a very young age, when I was 16, I learned that I don't know everything obviously, but I can rely on myself to figure it out. And that's honestly how I have developed a significant amount of confidence in my own life. Um, because I don't, it, it, confidence doesn't mean that you have all of the answers to everything, which is what I think most people think confidence is, but confidence is just simply trusting and relying on yourself to find the answers. Okay. And so this situation was no different. Um, I was extremely sad. I cried for days on end. Um, and so my friend, Jamie, um, she is a very talented local designer. She owns Bryco Design, and she's just an amazing person. You guys will hear from her, actually. I have her scheduled um, as a guest on my podcast because she is just a beautiful person. She's a close friend of mine, and I love her so much, and she has so much wisdom to share with you. So my friend Jamie recommended um, a book for grieving. And the book was called the grief recovery handbook. And I guys, I was so desperate, um, that I leaned into this and I, it's just what I would normally do in any hard situation is I would turn to a book or something. Okay. To give me some answers or give me some clarity or hope or relatability or whatever. Right. Because I felt completely lost. And so I decided to get the book 
Ironically, I found a copy by the same author that was actually specifically geared towards pet loss. And I just remember thinking to myself when I saw that book, I was like, thank fucking God, um, because I needed some, I was so desperate. And so this book could not have come fast enough, even though it was ordered via Amazon Prime. So it was coming the next day, but I was still like basically crying and waiting at the door for the Amazon delivery dude because I needed some help and I needed it now. And this book was a total lifesaver. Okay. Not only did it address the common misconceptions talking about grief, but it also addressed my feelings of guilt and embarrassment in comparing my grief to anyone else's. And it shared so much about just so much relatability um, from the feelings that we have when we're dealing with pet loss. And I just was like, I can't even believe this book exists. Like I just never would have crossed my mind. Um, and so it was a lifesaver. I read it so fast um, and I did the activities in it. It has got some steps in it to do to work through. And it was so, so helpful. Okay. And so I want to share with you guys my um, things that have helped me in my grief recovering process. Okay. And obviously I'm still going through it. I truly don't think that we ever heal from grief. It's just something we learn to accept. We learn to live with and we learn to deal with in really healthy ways. So let me see how many tips I have here. One, two, three, four, Okay, so I have six tips for you guys that I wrote down um, that have helped me through my grieving process. Here we go. Number one, letting myself truly feel the emotions and crying until I no longer felt that I could cry anymore. I seriously thought this might actually last forever, um, but in reality, it lasted a solid four or five days of uncontrollably crying all day. Okay. And then it gradually went to crying periodically and then eventually only in random moments like this podcast, evidently. Um, I'm not good at this part. In fact, I'm going to be so super honest with you guys. I really suck at feeling emotions. Okay. I sometimes think I'm so numb to emotions that I don't even know how to feel them. I just, I don't know anything about emotions. Um, this has really like opened my eyes to the importance of crying and allowing yourself to feel all the emotions and work through them as they come. Learning not to be strong and not to suppress them and not to just carry on as per usual. Okay. These things never work and they only keep your feelings stuck and bottled up inside you. So if you're like me and have a very hard time dealing with emotions, I can guarantee you that you have a lot 
like a lot, you guys, of built up unresolved emotions and resentments living in your body right now. The good news is that it's never too late to address them and deal with them properly. So in dealing with the grief of losing my best furry friend, I've also been able to identify and address so many other negative emotions I've never addressed in my 34 years of life. And honestly, this is the best journey I've ever been on. I mean, it's it's kind of depressing. It's kind of um, hard. It's challenging. Uh, it, it's kind of annoying. But as far as like healing and actually becoming a better person overall, this has been the most important part of my journey. And so I've always been a positive person. I've always been a very happy person. And, you know, that is a really good thing to be. It's great to be optimistic. It's great to be happy. Um, But what is not great is not feeling and addressing the uh, negative emotions that come with life. And that is so important. And I always have known that it's important to do that and to feel the emotions and to feel the sadness and to cry and to do all the things. But I honestly did not know how to actually do that. Like I felt like I don't even know where to start. I just did not know. And so I'm learning this now. Um, I'm learning how to do it properly, how to um, deal with resentments, how to deal with anger, how to deal with sadness, and not just in current situations or for future situations, but for past situations that um, maybe you've been carrying around with you as long as I have. Um I know it's not easy, but I encourage you guys to join me on this journey together to learn how to feel and process emotions properly, okay? Even if the situations have come and gone. Actually, especially if the situations have come and gone, okay? It's never too late to start. I've been researching this in depth lately, and there's so many sources that say that unresolved emotions actually show up on our bodies physically as excess weight, disease, or health problems. How freaking crazy is that? Um, I have even read some studies shown talking about how um, resentments have caused cancers. And I don't know, this this stuff is something that I would have, you know, thought as like hoaxy or like woo woo before. But The more I research it and the more I read about it, the more um, I actually practice it on myself, the more I believe it to be true because I am noticing substantial um, impact from doing this hard work. And I just I think that, you know, 
If you're the strong person who never cries and never gets emotional and chooses to suck it up and move on with your life, or maybe you are the emotional person and you um, you still don't deal with it and, and you just keep being emotional and you're going on this roller coaster of emotions where you're living it out every single day, please reach out to me and let me share with you some exceptional resources that will most certainly change your life, okay? I have some books to share with you. I have some uh, links of articles to share with you guys. So hit me up, um, Rebecca at Chick Boss Cake on Instagram or send me an email. Uh, these resources are not expensive at all. Uh, I'm not charging for my advice on this. I just really want to help you guys if you're willing to do the hard work too. So that's my tip number one. Tip number two is, um, and guys, let me just remind you, these are what worked for me. Everyone is different. You do you, but I just feel like if these worked for me, they might work for someone else too. Okay. So number two is stepping back from social media. All right. I needed time away from posting things and seeing what others were posting. I I just I honestly just didn't care about anything other than my feelings of sadness. Okay. I would start to scroll and just just not give a shit about anything I was seeing. I didn't care what like that other people were sad or they're bitching about things on social media. I didn't care that uh, other people were happy or that they've achieved something or whatever. I just didn't care about either thing at all, which if you know me, you know, this is not like me at all. Okay. I am everybody else's biggest cheerleader, but I'm just being real and honest about my feelings in the depths of my grief. It's totally normal to just not give a shit about anyone else's feelings, which sounds bad, but it's not. It's just reality. Okay. I think that stepping back from social media and sitting with my sadness was really pivotal in feeling my feelings and uh, not covering them up via distractions, which is typically what we use social media for. I mean... I do my best to use it for building connections and relationships and friendships. I've met a lot of amazing people out of it. But if you're not careful, um, you can you will find yourself using it more as a distraction than as a platform to connect you to other people. So that's my number two. Number three, I wrote a letter to my dog. Yes, I did. It helped tremendously. And actually, in the grief recovery handbook, it focuses on writing letters for closure, um, for forgiveness, and any unresolved feelings or unspoken words. Um, I'm the type of person to think that doing this sounds like fucking stupidity. Okay, just to be honest with you, I would be that person typically that would think like, wow, that sounds stupid. 
Um, and I think it's just important to be honest and let you know that the thought of doing this sounded to me sounded weak, wimpy, wishy-washy, pathetic, useless, insert whatever word you think, like when you hear this point, but those are what I would typically think of when, if somebody told me like, write a letter to your dead dog. Okay. And I'm only sharing this because I want you to know how stupid I thought this sounded because only then will you be able to take my opinion seriously. My opinion is it actually works. It helps in ways I can't even put into words. And I truly believe this alone, um, this specific activity has been a pivotal role in my recovery for grieving. Maybe I shouldn't say recovery, but like my process of grieving. Okay. Cause I don't think we ever fully recover from grieving. Um, it's just an ongoing process that we learn to deal with. Okay. I've since moved on to writing letters to people I feel a sense of resentment towards or any negative emotion whatsoever, okay? And um, oh my God, it is working so well. It is so healing. And I beg you guys to try this, okay? Actually, get the Grief Recovery Handbook and do the work as it's laid out in the book. This book is not just for dealing with people or pets who have died, okay? It is also for grieving the loss of friendships from people who have wronged you or maybe divorce or the loss of a job or anything really significant, either living or dead. Okay. And, um, it, you can even do this with relationships in your life that, um, that you still have in your life, but you have really strict boundaries on. Okay. And I will just use my parents as an example, because we have a complicated relationship. Um, I have them in my life, but I have cut them out of my life many times before. Um, currently I have them in my life. I have boundaries and, um, but I do have a lot of, resentment and a lot of, um, unresolved emotions surrounding our relationship. Um, and that just happens because I can't communicate with them on a level that would actually resolve these issues for myself. So writing a letter to them was extremely healing Um, and, uh, it's not about like, (laughs) the thing is like before with my relationship with them, I would just, I would have an understanding that, you know, they did the best that they could or that they, you know, they just were not capable of the love that I felt like I wanted or needed as a child. And so I had deep rooted empathy and love for them just as they were. Okay. But what happens is 
That's like the really positive, optimistic way of looking at it, which is great. But um, you also have to deal with the negative emotions that come with it, too. So that's a great solution long term for the future in your relationship. But what about dealing with all of the past situations or present situations that continue to show up when you have relationships in your life that... Uh, are not always like the best, healthiest relationships where you can clearly communicate um, your true feelings to them because they won't understand or it will turn into a big fight or whatever. Um, And so this letter writing process has really, really helped um, in that sense. And I honestly, I don't have a lot of relationships currently in my life that I allow into my life um, with unresolved uh, issues and stuff like that. But when it comes to my parents, um, I do have a lot of empathy. I have healed a lot. Um, and I, I just feel, I just feel a little bit bad for them. So I like to have boundaries and I like to have somewhat of a relationship for me. It just feels better than, like ignoring them forever. So that's just what I've learned. Um, But of course, if they cross those boundaries, it's going to go back to, okay, maybe this is not healthy in my life right now. And that's just, that's the roller coaster that it's always been on. Um, But it's just one of those relationships that uh, needed a letter to be written. And it's not like, you know, any of my friendships or my relationship with Chad is not like that. Like I don't choose to have people in my life that I can't openly share my feelings. And, you know, if you disappoint me, if I can't share my disappointment with you, um, but I just, I don't have those relationships in really any other areas. Um, I do have situations where I've cut people out of my life and those people needed a letter for sure. Um, And this process has been like a weight lifted off of my heart and it has made me feel a million times better. Now, no, you do not give the people the letter, okay? You do not give the letter to anyone. The letter is for you and for God or the universe or whatever higher spiritual power you believe in. Um, The letter is for you and for God or the universe to say what you need to say and to know that your feelings are real and they are true. And just because the other person will not receive them well does not change your feelings. Okay. And so you write the letter, you can read it out loud and you can um, smudge it with sage or whatever ritual you want to do and pray with the letter and then you burn it, bury it, or store it in a very safe place for no one else to read, okay? But this helped me so, so much, probably more than um, anything else that I did during my grieving process. And so, and also, like I was saying before, it was the one that I thought sounded the stupidest. It ended up helping me the most, okay? So number four, 
Opening up and sharing my sadness with other people was also so healing, okay? This, again, is something I would never, ever do previously. Uh, As an introvert, I'm a very private person, and I hold my feelings and emotions close to my chest. Um, I have a lot of emotional, um, I don't know what to say, like, issues or um, I guess emotional trauma from my childhood and from, you know, not having uh, any steady people in my life to support me or rely on and stuff like that. So um, because I moved out at 16 and I just... I just have so much emotional baggage from that time in my life. Um, And so it's something that uh, I'm learning that holding my feelings and emotions close to me and not sharing them with other people uh, doesn't really serve me. And it was actually in doing my podcast interviews for this International Women's Day series and hearing a lot of the women that I interviewed say, saying like how they would turn to their communities for love and support and um, that that was so incredibly comforting to them and knowing that they're not alone and that there's other people that love them and care about them. Uh, so then I, I just decided, okay, well, I'm going to take these women's advice. Like these are people, these are women that I love and I respect so much, I'm, I'm just going to try what they say. And so it actually helped me so much to do this. And I posted on my personal page and on my business page, um, which I would normally hesitate to, to post anything that was sad or negative, because again, I don't like to make people feel sad or negative, but at the same time, this was real. And this was how I was feeling. And I was like, this is just real life right now. And more people should, you know, um, reach out to their communities when they're, when they're grieving and they're upset and, and, uh, reach out for support. And so, It was so helpful. So many people commented with kind words and shared their personal stories as well. Um, I read every single comment and I could feel the love and the compassion through the screen. You guys, I was so grateful and feeling like you're not alone in the darkness is just so important. And I did not see the significance in that until I actually did it myself. And one thing I just want to point out is sharing your feelings on social media. Um, it can easily be done in a way that is not good. And I've talked about this before, but if you are simply sharing like that, you are sad and that you are grieving and, you know, if your dog died or whatever, then that is that can be so powerful and so helpful. OK, as opposed to. And I see a lot of people doing this on social media and stuff, but as opposed to, um, you know, sharing their negative experience, uh, like dealing with a business or, or, you know, maybe they're sharing like gossip or drama, or they're sharing a story about a friend who betrayed them or, or whatever. Right. And, and like, that is so different. That is not the same thing that I'm talking about here. Um, that is different and that is not helpful at all. Okay. You literally look like a crazy person when you do that. Um, I certainly have no respect for anyone who bashes businesses publicly, even though those businesses, maybe they did screw you over. I get it. But like, 
you know, maybe address your concern with the business directly or post a review or whatever, but social media is not the place. Okay. And in fact, you can get in serious legal trouble if you do that. If you bash people, um, personally, or you bash their businesses, um, you can actually get sued for doing that. So that these are the differences that I'm talking about. Whereas if you shared your feelings about how you're feeling like so upset about a situation and, and in a kind way, and like you're talking about your grief and your sadness, that's different. Okay. But don't bring other drama or other people in that is like gossip. And that is not the right way to handle that situation. Okay. All right. Number five. I, this is a great one. I only did things I actually wanted to do and I canceled everything else. All right. I'm busy. I have a planner that I gets filled up quickly. Um, and so it's hard for me to cancel things. I'm not a plan canceler and I actually hate when people cancel plans with me, um, unless they have like a legitimate reason. And if there's somebody who cancels all the time, I just, I will no longer make time for them because then I feel like my time is being disrespected by them. So I had a hard time doing this, but I was also grieving and that is very different than being a plan canceler on the regular basis. So I let my heart decide um, what I was going to say yes to and what I was going to say no to. And it turned out that I found myself wanting to be around some friends and not wanting to do a lot of social media or work related things. So I canceled most work related things and I ended up hanging out with some friends when I felt up for it. Um, and just, I was just being kind and gentle with myself and not doing anything out of obligation. And that was so key and so important to my healing process. I also had to work through feelings of guilt for going out and having fun during my grieving. Naturally, I felt like feeling happy meant that I wasn't sad enough. And a line in my pet loss book says that the amount of pain you feel is not reflective of the amount of love that you had for whoever you lost. All right. Meaning if you make time for happy things, you needn't feel guilty for it. Okay. We have different emotions for a reason. There's a time and a place and feeling happy when you're grieving does not mean that you love the person less or animal in my case. All right. Number six, this is my last point. Um, and it is making photo albums and memories. This is also something I would avoid in the past because doing this means more crying. It means more sad emotions. And I realized that even if I bawled through doing this, it meant that I still had feelings to process. So I just used that as a sign that, you know, I'm still... I'm still crying. I'm it's okay. It's fine. I can do this as I cry. It's whatever it is, what it is. Um, but avoiding doing this, um, because initially I thought like, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Like I need some time. Like I'm not going to do that for like a year or something because, uh, I'm just going to ball through the whole thing. 
And then I thought, so what if I ball through the whole thing? Who the fuck cares? Um, and it actually brought me so much comfort in doing it and looking at old pictures and, um, it did bring me some kind of comfort and happiness, even though I did cry through most of it. Um, and I'm still not done putting the album together and stuff. Um, but avoiding doing this would in essence be avoiding processing my emotions. So since I've cried so many tears, I can now look at photos and work on this memory album without crying nonstop the whole time. Um, occasionally if I feel like crying, then I will cry. It's fine. Um, but it does truly take time to process the emotions and avoiding doing this is really not going to do you any good. And in fact, I find by doing this, it actually did bring a lot of joy and happiness and, um, it actually made me realize like how much love and joy I felt over the last 16 years because of this animal. And, um, because when she died in the first few days, I was like, there is no way in hell I'm getting another animal that is going to die and that I'm going to have to feel this way again over um, because that's what I do. I go to avoiding the emotions. I go to avoiding the pain. Um, and in doing this memory uh, photo album, I recognize like, oh my God, like literally the reason why I have like a bajillion pictures of her is because she brought so much joy and happiness and depth to my life for 16 years. So obviously the sadness of losing her is extreme and it is painful and it sucks so much. But would I trade that for not having those 16 years? Not in a fucking second. So that really put that things into perspective for me. And it really showed me all of the amazing memories that uh, I was able to create with her over the 16 years. And, um, so those are my six points, but I just wanted to also say, uh, that one thing I underestimated about this whole situation was that 16 years is a long time. Okay. It's a very long time. A lot changes. Um, and you grow as a person and everything, but especially from the age of which I got her. So I was 18 when I got her as a puppy and, um, I struggled so much at that time in my life. Okay. My teenage years, um, I struggled and, you know, early adult years, I struggled. I had such a hard time, um, I dealing with anger and emotions and resentment and, uh, I didn't trust anybody and, you know, which typically, I mean, comes when you have a rough childhood and rough teenage years, right? So I know where it comes from, but doesn't mean that it wasn't, uh, really, really hard. So I got her when I was 18 and she had just been there through, um, really shitty relationships. She had been there through really dark times of depression. Um, 
she had been there through the loss of my Oma and Opa, which were like so significant people in my life. Um, just like marry, meeting Chad, marrying Chad, um, buying our first house, like all of these pivotal moments in my life, she was there for. So <laughs> you can imagine um, going back and looking through all of these pictures, it really brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of... <laughs> I guess, unresolved um, issues that I didn't realize that uh, I didn't actually fix. I just decided to move forward and do self-development and stuff, which is great for present me and great for future me, but um, really not great. Well, maybe not that great for present me, actually, but um, not great for the past me and being able to look at these pictures without feelings of, you know, pain and hurt um, from, you know, these relationships that I had no closure for or, you know, people in my life that, that once were at that time that are no longer. And so that's really what made me open up and realize that I just need to really do a lot of healing and reflection and um, I need to start putting in the work for this stuff, okay? Because I am so good at goals and at achieving success and at being positive and being happy and moving forward and living my best life. Um, But this is one area that I really suck at and it's being emotional and being vulnerable and, and that is just my biggest weakness. And I know that Chad and I said we are not working on our weaknesses this year. Um, We are going to work on our strengths, which has been freaking amazing up until this point. Um, And once I feel at a place that I can get back to that, I will absolutely be back to being my creative, happy self. But I am also going to dedicate like 10% of every day to working on this weakness of mine because I need to get this, like Chad and I were talking about in our one podcast. If you have weaknesses that are like really, really weak, you need to bring them up to a average level. Okay. And then you can work on your strengths, but you need to get your weaknesses to a baseline level, um, which a lot of mine are, but this is like well below the baseline level. So I need to get this to baseline, um, as I work on my strength for this year. So that is something that really opened my eyes, um, that I have to work on. And honestly, Honestly, I think it's an amazing gift and lesson that um, Bianca wanted to leave me with, apparently. So she's like, I'm I'm out. I lived 16 years of my life. Um, good luck with this, dealing with this, Rebecca. So what she said. Okay. <laughs> um, so that is my challenge. That is my story. Um, and I'm really excited to share with you guys um, the rest of my International Women's Day series. It is all about dealing with challenging situations and overcoming the challenges. Um, and I talk to a bunch of really amazing women. They're all going to have their own podcast episodes. Um, 
um, and share their darkest feelings, their challenges, how they overcame them. And I'm also asking them about International Women's Day, what that means to them. And we're also talking about common misconceptions that they've had of other women, because I know as a woman, we grow up, um, you know, gossiping, thinking that's okay, um, talking behind people's backs, um, judging other people and stuff like that. And so we are going to address these common misconceptions head on. We're going to talk about how we have developed new beliefs in women today and what our best pieces of advice are to offer other women. So um, I cannot wait to share these episodes with you guys. Um, Please subscribe, leave me a review on my podcast and stay tuned because if you subscribe, you'll be notified when a new episode launches and these are ones you are not going to want to miss. I just want to say before I end this podcast, thank you guys so, so much for all of the outpouring of love and support. Um, It really means so much to me and you know, I know that when you see, if you see somebody who is like strong and you think they have it all together, um, it doesn't matter how strong they look or how much you think they have their shit together. When they are faced with a hard time, it is hard, just like it's hard for anybody else. And so I just really appreciate the outpouring of love and support. Um, I couldn't have gotten through this time, not that I'm through it, but I couldn't have like progressed through it uh, without your love and support. And so that really truly means so, so much to me. And stay tuned for the next few episodes with the most inspiring woman that you will ever hear from. So I can't wait to share them with you and we will talk soon. Bye.